Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. I have bad news, guys. Peyton, poor Peyton, is sick again. You just got sick a lot this year, huh? You have, like, a tummy ache really bad, huh? I always get sick. I don't know why. I think just, you know, when you go to school, you're just constantly getting sick because you're around other kids, and they're around their siblings, and their siblings are around other kids, and it's just, like, this big borg of sickness. And I have double bad news. Is everybody ready? For everybody that lives in Sonoma County, it is officially tick season, huh? Today, I pulled a tick off our horse, and I pulled four ticks off of Buddy, our dog, and one tick off Max. I didn't see, I didn't, I need to check Oreo. I'm sure she's got some. Oh my gosh, this is crazy. Yeah, you have a little bit of a fever. Just lay down, it's okay. Well, I mean, yay, you get a four-day weekend. You get to stay home tomorrow. Lucky! Lucky. And guess what else? Angren's going to up to Reading on Tuesday. So we get to have a sleepover. Cool, For huh? how long? Just one night. Cool, really? huh? Mm-hmm. Why is he going up? Because he's going to bring some stuff down from the storage unit. Anyways, nobody cares about our boring business. Huh? Hold on, guys. You don't care about what we're doing. We're just sharing a little bit because we're just having a little mother-daughter talk. Right? Okay. The girl in the locked room, chapter 30. Jules. Let's see how many chapters we have left. 31. 32. Keep going. Oh, that's it. 33. We have like four more chapters left because there's something after that. Okay. 30. Jules. After dinner that night, we kept our we kept ourselves from thinking about our plan by playing a few games of Clue with my parents. I won the first round by accusing Colonel Mustard of murdering Mr. Body in the library with a knife. Maisie won the second by accusing Miss White of killing Mr. Body in the kitchen with a wrench. Mom won the third game, and Maisie won the fourth. Poor Mr. Body, Dad said. He's always dead. before the game even begins we started a fifth game but dad insisted that we use the british words he had to call the wrench a spanner and the knife a dirk he also said that mr body shouldn't always be the murder victim give the poor man a break and let the old let that old boar colonel mustard be the one to die I was already having trouble paying attention to the game. With Dad making up new rules all the time, I was too distracted to keep playing. I glanced at Maisie and I caught her looking out the window as if she expected to see the horseman galloping towards Oak Hill. I'm so tired, I said. How about you, Maisie? She yawned so widely the fillings in the back of her teeth showed. <sighs> that means we are. Hey. Okay. Oh my gosh, every time I have like an itch, I think it's a tick on me. <laughs> okay. Oh, girls, for heaven's sakes, go to bed before you fall asleep on the couch, Mom said. We've played enough of Clue for tonight. More than enough, Dad said. It's time to bury poor Mr. B- 
body. He dumped everything into the box and closed the lid. Rest in peace, old boy. I kissed him and mom goodnight and left them arguing over what TV show to watch. In my room, Maisie and I checked our flashlight batteries and settled down to wait for my parents to go to bed. After dad became, began snoring, we tiptoed into the kitchen, opened the door to the old house. At the same moment, we heard the horses galloping towards us. Hurry, I whispered, we've got to hide. Darting into the old house, we flattened ourselves against the wall near the stairs and stared up, stared about us in disbelief. No more like stairs. That's right. And stared about us in disbelief. Instead of the ruins that we were expecting to see, Oak Hill looked at us. Wait, Oak Hill looked as it must have when Lily lived there. The walls were papered and the floors gleamed with polish. A kerosene lamp on a small marble top table lit a group of portraits. Not Lily and her parents, but but people I never even knew longer, longer ago. Lily's ancestors, probably dark with age. Upstairs, Lily whimpered and Mrs. Bennett ran down, ran down the steps as she passed us. Her long skirt brushed against me, but she didn't notice me or Maisie. It seemed we were invisible witnesses to what was about to happen. We watched Miss Bennett join her husband in the kitchen. Fists pounded on the kitchen door. Don't let them in, Mrs. Bennett cried. But the men forced the door open and entered the kitchen, shouting and cursing. Mr. Bennett faced them. His back was to us. Mrs. Bennett stood beside him. Go home, he told him. You have no business here. I worked for you for more than five years. You owed me more than a week's salary. Mr. Mr. Bailey was being was a big man, taller and heavier than Mr. Bennett, and just as ugly as he'd look in Lily's drawings. Ellis Dixon pushed his way forward. He looked like a he looked like a ferret, short and skinny with a narrow face and close set eyes. Money, he said, that's what we come for. Give us what's in your safe. You're a pair of drunken fools, Mr. Bennett said. Get out of my house. Please, Mrs. Bennett said, leave now. Mr. Bennett pulled a gun out from Mr. Bailey pulled a gun at Mr. Bennett. Don't tell me what to do. I ain't your tenant anymore. You listen to me now. At the same moment, Ellis Dixon twisted Mrs. Bennett's arm behind her back. Take us to the safe and open it. Flattening ourselves against the wall, Maisie and I watched the killers face the Bennett's and pass us into the parlor. They were close enough for me to smell the whiskey on their breath and the sour odor of sweat and stale tobacco, but they didn't notice Maisie and I. Mr. Bennett struggled to free himself, and then Mrs. Bennett pleaded with the men to let them go. We heard a few faint noises overhead. Lily stood at the top of the steps. She wore a long nightgown, and her yellow hair hung in loose curls around her face. For a moment, it seemed as if she might turn and run back to the studio. Lily, I whispered, we're here. Be brave. She didn't seem to see us, but she gripped the banister and inched down the steps. She was pale with fear, but determined. Butch Aunt Nellie changed what happened, Maisie said. Holding our breath, we watched Lily take one step down, then another. From the parlor, we heard Mr. Bailey shouting, and Mr. Bennett shouted back. Mrs. Bennett sobbed softly. Lily hesitated at the foot of, at the, foot of the steps and looked towards the parlor. No, no, I whispered. If you go in there, you won't save anyone. You'll die. She took a step towards the parlor. Her mother was still crying. Her father spoke angrily. The killer shouted about the safe and the money. Lily was was at the doorway now. She paid no attention to us. It was as if we didn't exist. In this world, maybe we didn't. 
We had to stop her, but even if I grabbed her arm, she didn't react. Lily, we shouted, don't let them see you. Go outside and go tell Nellie. Change what happened. Still ignoring us, Lily listened at the door for a few seconds. Maisie and I shouted at her. She didn't hear us, and neither did anyone else. Lily suddenly cocked her head like a cat who's just noticed a mouse. She looked at Maisie and me, not exactly with recognition, and backed away from the doorway. Outside in the dark, a horse whinnied. A woman spoke in a low voice. Go, we shouted to Lily. Go get Aunt Nellie. Without looking at us, Lily ran down the hall and out into the kitchen. A moment later, the door opened and a breath of cool air stirred the window curtains. Okay, you think she's going to get Aunt Nellie? Mm -hmm. Don't know.